2: You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network.
0: Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at ScuderiaF1Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay.
2: Hey, everybody. What is up? Welcome to the podcast. that is always up to speed with Formula One. Mark Daly here welcoming you on board to a very special edition of the podcast in which I'm going to recount five memorable f- moments from Formula One. It's the the off-season, the 2018 Formula One World Championship is a wrap. It was another double for Mercedes, with Lewis Hamilton winning the Drivers' Championship and the Silver Hours winning the Constructors' Championship. And of course, once you get into December, the news gets a little bit sparse as it winds down towards Christmas and New Year's. But be that, that as it may, there is literally decades and decades of material to go back and talk about, and I thought as... Being a fan of the sport that I have been for some 30 odd years, maybe a little bit longer since I was a little kid, I thought it wouldn't be too difficult to pick out five memories at least. And I wasn't wrong. It wasn't too difficult. So here in no particular order, here is the first of my five most memorable Formula One moments. And I'm going to go back to the Australian Grand Prix in 1994. It was the 16th and final Grand Prix of the 1994 Formula One World Championship and it was being held in Adelaide long before the race moved to Melbourne. That Grand Prix was won by Nigel Mansell in a Williams, followed by Ferrari's Gerhard Berger, and then in third place was Martin Brundle driving a McLaren. The race will always be remembered for a very controversial moment when Michael Schumacher, then racing for Benetton, crashed into Williams driver Damon Hill. Coming into the race, Schumacher was leading the World Championship with 92 points, which was just a single point ahead of Damon Hill. Mansell qualified on the pole, followed by Schumacher and Hill, and while Nigel was leading the race, Schumacher was ahead of Hill in second and third, respectively. On lap 36, all hell broke loose when Schumacher ran wide at the east terrace corner, hitting the wall, and then limped back on the track. Damon thought he had an opportunity to pass Schumacher, who was trying to regain momentum after the incident that he had. And uh, it didn't appear, if you go back and watch the, the the replay, that he actually damaged his car. Anyways, when they came to the next corner, which was a right-hander, Schumacher turned in on Hill, and the damage to Schumacher's car immediately Forced him out of the race, while Damon limped back to the pits but was uh, forced to retire with left front front wishbone damage. With both drivers retired from the race, neither actually ended up scoring any points, and Schumacher won the first of his seven world championships at age 25. And needless to say, it was an extremely controversial manner in which to claim your first world championship after the race the race stewards uh, declared that the crash was a racing incident and no action was taken against Michael Schumacher Schumacher himself always maintained it was a racing incident and that he did not deliberately crash into hill to gain an advantage and um, perhaps knock his rival out of the race Hill eventually went on to win his one and only World Championship with Williams in 1996, which was his uh, final year with the team. And he said uh, at the time, he didn't say very much about the incident at all, but in years to come, he did uh, say publicly that he felt Schumacher crashed into him on purpose. So let's take a listen to how that went down all the way back in
3: 1994. Yeah. Oh, out out goes Schumacher. The German is out of the Australian Grand Prix and Damon Hill only has to keep going to be world champion of 1994. But can he keep going? Because he hit Schumacher's car. And if Damon Hill has to retire and you see smoke pouring off the wheel, that will mean that Schumacher will be world champion. What an incredible development. Schumacher gets underneath the protective barrier now let's you can see damon hill's right front wheel is counting right over he's got a puncture in the left front left yes and i think hopefully no he's bent his wishbone as well we can see it on the onboard camera there he's got a bent left front suspension but what what needs to happen now clearly schumacher is out the question is can they repair hill's car can he get out and can he get into the top six and get a point or get two points in fact he needs a fifth but it's not looking good this we didn't see what happened i'd like to see
2: all right, second on our list of top five memorable Formula One moments is the 2008 Brazilian Grand Prix, which was held on the 2nd of November 2008 at Interlagos, where the Brazilian Grand Prix has been held for numerous years at the iconic Sao Paulo Uh, circuit. And that year, the world championship was still up for grabs uh, going into the final race between Ferrari's Felipe Massa and McLaren's Lewis Hamilton. Seems like a long time ago since we were talking about McLaren fighting for a world championship. However, going into that final race, Hamilton had the advantage needing only to finish fifth in the, the, the race order to secure his first world championship. Massa did everything right qualifying on the pole and the race, however, was slightly delayed because of a heavy rain shower shortly before the scheduled start. And going into the race, all the drivers except for BMW Sauber's Robert Kubica opted to start on the intermediate rain tires. On the first lap, incidents involving David Coulthard, who was racing in his final Grand Prix, and Nelson Piquet Jr. brought out the safety car at the end of the very first lap. In the unpredictable conditions, Massa drove almost flawlessly, and then once again on lap 63, less than 10 laps from the end, the rain started to fall once again, forcing the majority of the drivers to pit once again for intermediates. By lap 69, it was raining really, really hard, and all the front runners were now on the intermediate tires except... Toyota's Timo Glock, who was still out there on slick tires. Hamilton ran wide in the wet conditions and allowed Sebastian Vettel, then driving for Toro Rosso, to take the fifth uh, position in the race and thereby losing, it appeared, the, the world championship at that point. Further up the track, Felipe Massa crossed the line to take the victory, and it appeared at that point in time, the world championship. And he would be world champion for about 39 seconds further back on the track the, the drama was unfolding as Glock who was barely able to keep his car on the track slid wide and was passed again by Hamilton who climbed back into fifth position and raced on to cross the line in and claim the points that he needed to, to claim his first driver's championship as the dust began to settle in the pits, it both uh, the McLaren and Ferrari pits were celebrating, claiming it was their driver who had uh, won the world title. But soon enough, the triumph in the Ferrari gra- garage turned into tears as reality set in as they realized that, in fact, it was Hamilton who was the champion and not Felipe Massa. At the time, Lewis was aged just 23 years and 300 days, making him the youngest Formula One world champion at the time. It was a very dramatic and exciting way to finish a Grand Prix, and we haven't seen too many races like that over the years. So let's go back and have a quick listen.
4: It's all about uh, these last few corners now. We're expecting Massa any time now. He comes through to claim his sixth victory of the season. He has done everything he needed to do, and we wait now to find out who will be the world champion of 2008. Can Hamilton do anything? Can he run it up the inside of Vettel? Only a few corners to go now and desperation starts to creep in for Lewis Hamilton. Raikkonen stirred and uh, that's
5: is that Glock is that
4: Glock going slowly it is it's clock. oh my goodness me Hamilton's back in position again a million a hundred thousand local hearts sink in the grandstands it's handed the place back to Hamilton he comes through and I'm absolutely right I'm sure that he is going to claim fifth place which is all he needs to do to become the 2008 Formula One world champion Lewis Hamilton and you will well, the, the Ferrari boys are celebrating. They both think they're They're absolutely wrong.
2: Well, that was quite something. We don't often see a Formula One World Championship wrapping up like we did way back in 2008. Now, moving along to our third most memorable Formula One moment, I'm going back to the Belgian Grand Prix of 2000, and it was a, a memorable. Classic Overtake by Mika Hakkinen on Michael Schumacher. So the the race, the Belgian Grand Prix, was held on the 27th of August 2000 at Spa-Francorchamps and was the 13th race of that world championship that year. Hakkinen qualified on the pole and won the 44-lap race. But, as always, there's a lot more to that story than really meets the eye. Uh, Hakkinen, he did beat uh, both the Schumacher brothers, Michael and Ralph, who finished the race in second and third, respectively. Michael driving the Ferrari and Ralph driving uh, Williams. Very wet conditions on the track, which we've seen at Spa over the years, forced the start of the race to be or begin behind the safety car, which they used to do back in those days. Ackenden led the race until he spun on lap 13, giving Schumacher the lead, where he stayed for the, most of the rest of the race. Three laps from the end, Hacken and closed the gap to Schumacher as the pair raced up through the iconic Eau Rouge corner and then sped down the Kemmel straight towards the Lacombe chicane. And as they did that, they quickly caught up at back marker Roberto Zonta and the BAR Honda. When they got to, to the end of the straight, Schumacher went to the left of Zonta, Hacken went to the right of the bar and had enough speed to pass both the Ferrari and the bar going into Lacombe to complete one of the most- breathtaking and spectacular overtakes we've ever seen in Formula One. It was uh, Hackenden who claimed the victory that afternoon, but ultimately it was Schumacher that went on to win the world champion as he scored 108 points that year to win the world title. So let's have a listen to that memorable, fantastic moment from the Belgian Grand Prix in the year 2000.
5: Straight line speed, and once again, look, Michael's having to defend, and Mika, and there's a but the backmarker's in the way. Can he do and it? He's... Yes, he's done it. A brilliant move there. Either side of Zonta, and Hakkinen brilliantly takes the lead of the Belgian Grand Prix, and
3: you can see the delight
5: in the McLaren. Because that could well have
3: decided the race. A superb, gritty, determined, forceful move from Micka Hakkinen takes the lead in the McLaren Mercedes, and he is on lap 41. Three laps to go at the end of this one, and he's obviously got superior performance. I would expect him now to pull away, particularly.
2: Okay, our fourth most memorable moment in Formula One history is the Monaco qualifying for 2006. And I know once I read this one off, some of you will probably remember this one, if not all of you that there seems to be a very heavy negative bias towards Michael Schumacher in this uh, mini-sode, but that wasn't really my intention. Uh, I was a big fan of Michael back in the day, and it, like I say, it was just five memorable Formula One moments that I just sort of pulled off right off the top of my head. Anyways, uh, the qualifying session was held in near-perfect conditions under warm and sunny skies that afternoon, with most drivers really being challenged only trying to find track space to set a fast time around the tight and congested circuit. Uh, The Q2 session was a big battle between Ferrari's Kimi Raikkonen and Renault's Fernando Alonso, and a surprising David Coulthard in the Red Bull, who managed to uh, really put in uh, some good times in Q2. Q3 looked to be a battle uh, between Alonso and Michael Schumacher in the Ferrari, and in the dying moments of Q3, as Alonso was flying around the track, he was roughly two-tenths of a second faster than Schumacher, and uh, looked like he was going to claim the pole position. But as Schumacher entered the Raskas corner towards the end of the lap, he slowed his car and parked it awkwardly at the apex of the corner and got out of the car and walked away. Schumacher claimed he had uh, locked up uh, his front uh, wheel and went wide into the corner, forcing him into the barrier. And the move allowed Schumacher to keep the pole position, but uh, Alonso's time was compromised, and he ended up qualifying in second position. The incident was that reviewed after qualifying by the race stewards who called Schumacher's move an unnecessary and pathetic counter-steering maneuver, and he was punished by having to start on the back row of the grid next to his teammate Felipe Massa, who crashed out at the casino square in Q1. The decision enraged then Ferrari principal Jean Todt, who said he was, quote, disgusted by the stewards' decision. Alonso went on to win the race, while Schumacher recovered to finish in fifth position. Michael Schumacher, you know, love him or hate him, there were plenty of controversial moments like that throughout his uh, career. So let's take a listen to the qualifying Q3 at the Monaco Grand Prix from 2006. First two rows of
5: the grid. They'll be in great shape tomorrow, though. So uh, Michael Schumacher, faster... In the first sector, poor. He's made a mistake
4: somewhere in the middle sector of this lap. One second oh, he's made ago, another one at the Raskas Martin. Straight on, missed the turn in. Yeah, but that's going to spoil everybody else's lap
5: too. The yellow flags are going to be out, and it's that's going to keep him pole position. I wouldn't be at all surprised. Everybody's going to have to get out of it with the yellow flags. Alonso's on a flyer too. Here he comes. Alonso's coming up to the zone now, and uh, we're in the yellow flag. The rally on the outside. Session's finished, of course, but he can still complete this lap. But it's been heavily compromised. That's Fisichella. Sorry, but uh, Fizzy then goes over the line. And a 14-3, a fraction faster. Alonso even faster in the middle of the lap. Will he get through the Rascas zone? He will indeed. He's got through.
4: Alonso might just do it, James. Yep, yeah, out of the final corner. Goes Fernando Alonso. He keeps close to the pit wall side. He goes across the line. Is it pole... No, it's not! He misses out! He finishes up for
2: uh, just 6 of a... Right, for our final and fifth memorable Formula One uh, memory, I'm going to pick something that was uh, a little bit more recent. And uh, I'm sure most of you uh, will remember this one because I'm only going back two years. And uh, this was the Spanish Grand Prix of 2016. And of course, uh, this is uh, before the the, the the Hamilton-Valtteri-Botas partnership that we've seen for the past two seasons at uh, Mercedes. And this goes back to what was probably Probably peak Hamilton Rosberg, and uh, it it's not so that far in the in the distant memory that it's it's not too uh, simple to forget. Just the toxic and uh, negative relationship Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton had. They had many many comings together during the course of their partnership over three or four seasons at Mercedes, and uh, it really really got bad at one time. I mean, if you go back and think just over the 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 past five seasons since the start of the turbo hybrid era. I mean, it is all Mercedes. I mean, they've won four out of five world championships or Hamilton has. I mean, they've won all five. If you can factor in Nico Rosberg's title in 2016, they've won all the constructors championships in that time. They've been absolutely dominant, but that was a very tense period in their history because those two guys just not did not get along they came together at spa they came together in spain where we're about to 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 listen to they came together in austria and then it climaxed at the abu dhabi grand prix that year with uh, Rosberg really kind of managing the past last several races of that year getting the points that he needed without having to take too many risks while well, hamilton hamilton really had to push to try and win that title and uh, going into that very last race it was uh, it was still Nico's to lose rather than uh, Lewis's to win and Lewis did everything he possibly could to win that race and while he was leading it in the latter stages he really pushed Nico Rosberg back as far as he could it was going really really slow and was told multiple times over the uh, the race radio by his engineers and eventually by excuse me Patty Lowe who was then uh, at uh, at Mercedes to speed up and uh, instead of slowing down and backing Rosberg into uh, Max Verstappen in the Red Bull and Ferrari Sebastian Vettel in, uh, in hopes that maybe one of them would pass him and then uh, Lewis could score the points he need to take the world title. Anyways, going back to the Spanish Grand Prix, like I say, they had a numerous, numerous run-ins and crashes uh, over their time. And that year, Nico had a very solid start to the world championship in which he built a 43 point lead over Hamilton early in the season. And things were looking good early on for him to win his first world championship. And when they collided on the first lap at uh, at Barcelona, it set up a, a chain of events, which ended up with Max Verstappen, then in the Red Bull team, having been recently promoted from uh, Toro Rosso, to win his very first Formula One race. And it also wouldn't be the last time that the pair would tangle in 2016. Austria was uh, <laughs> was another big one when they came together on the very last lap, and Rosberg came off worse for wear, and it was Hamilton who won the race. Now, under the the warm and Spanish sun that afternoon, the title was a long way away from being decided as Rosberg forced his teammate onto the grass coming out of turn three, setting in motion a crash that would take them out before the race was even a lap waltz. And let's take a listen to that.
4: And it's Nico Rosberg and Hamilton's onto the grass and Hamilton's had a massive crash and he's crashed into his teammate. The two Mercedes come together as Hamilton tries to pass on the inside and he can cover his hands over his eyes and he won't want to see that again. Two silver arrows have crashed on the opening lap. Hamilton takes out his teammates and there will be a big, big inquiry behind closed doors into that.
2: Look at this. All right, well, that wraps it up for this shorter edition of Scuderia F1. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And if you have any suggestions for other topics that we could cover, you know, send me an email at scuderiaf1 at gmail.com or tweet me at scuderiaf1pod on Twitter. And let me know. Let me know what are some of your favorite Formula One moments. Maybe it was some of the ones that I counted off just now. Maybe it was something else. We're all a little bit different and we all remember different things. So let me know. I'd love to hear. And that's it. That's a wrap for this week. Thank you so very much for listening. And we'll be back again very soon.
0: Thanks for listening to the Skidaria F1 Podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to scuderiaf1pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at scuderiaf1pod at gmail.com.
2: You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.
1: Space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets.